Hello and welcome to Leadership Behaviours Unpacked. I'm Jane Lewis and I'm delighted to be joined today by Andy Palmer. Andy is Managing Director at Meridian Financial Services, founding partner at Solstice Legal Services along with Lucy Milton Down and is also a Froome Parish Councillor. And he balances all of this with bringing up a young family in Froome. I first met Andy through the Froome-based Bright Networking Group and I was immediately struck by his drive and his dedication to his own business ventures. But what was also really apparent was his humility and his willingness to support other businesses within the area. Um, as well as a desire to give something back to the community that he felt strongly had supported him so much. So it's with great pleasure that I welcome Andy to the podcast today. Okay, so welcome Andy. Thank you so much for joining me today. And um, I have to say you're massively responsible I don't know whether you know this or not, for actually me getting these podcasts off the ground because you gave me the contact who've actually helped me. So Harry that does the production um, came through you giving me um, Andy Rintmore's con- contact and actually so massive thank you. Otherwise we wouldn't be sat here today. Um, and so any doubts you have about sitting here today, you can put to one side because it's your fault. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for having me and thank you for uh, laying the blame of your podcast firmly at my feet. So. <laughs> yes, apologies to anyone listening. This is man is responsible. Um, so I wanted to talk about a couple of things with you today, Andy. So you run a successful business, Meridian Financial Services, and you're also a Froome Town Councillor. And I'm guessing from the conversations we've had before that the leadership kind of challenges in those two contexts are really different. And I think as we chat, I'd like to explore a bit about that. So I'd like to get to know a little bit about your story in both those contexts and just kind of hear about the sort of differences and similarities between them. So I thought to kick us off, it would be just really good for people to hear a bit about what drove you to set up your own business. So how have you ended up where you are today? Wow. Um there's quite an expansive answer to that, so I will try not to uh, go too in-depth. Um, fundamentally, I've, I've been either self-employed or a director of a limited company since 2009. Um, I had previously been involved in large corporates. Um, I worked for Bank of Ireland for, for, for a few years. I worked for Alliance and Leicester when they were a FTSE 100 company. Um, I'd been in... Uh, financial advisory roles and senior management roles to, 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 to a certain level. And it just got to the point where in a traditional financial advisory career model, you, you, you either tend to make a decision to stay within a bank or a banking environment mm. and then go into management roles like I had done, or you tended to step away from that and, 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 go down the independent financial advisor route and generally what that meant back in the mid to late uh, 2010s or teens as as they should be was you you generally joined an independent financial advisory company and you tended to be self-employed so you kind of worked through them as a they became like a, a, a home so to speak rather than an employer 
Okay. Um, and they, they took care of your compliance. And that was really the route I went. So I went self-employed in 2009, um, albeit working through another company. And then following that, I met a guy who later became my business partner in, in, in our first venture, um, which was a company called Go IFA, which we set up in 2010. Um, and... It, it was really a case of just thinking, look, the financial advice world is changing. Uh, we were heading towards something called uh, the retail distribution review, which meant that commission was going to be banned from the majority of financial okay. services products. Um, so we were all going to be moving to being fee-based. And, and, and that, was, that was one of a number of, of massive changes. So we kind of thought we were both fairly young and thought, we need to look at this a different way. Do we want to be working through existing companies that, kind of set in their ways a little bit mm. so that's that's when we we started go ifa we, we went out and we got some seed capital um, from two investors um they gave us or they invested 125 grand into the business and we were we were off to the races and we grew that company over the four years that i was involved to near seven figure turnover um, we had advisors from as far afield as as uh, Blackburn in the north, Southampton in the south, and then all over the country. But for a number of reasons, partly my stress levels, partly relationships, partly having four very, very strong directors in a boardroom, yeah. um, the butting of heads started to, to, to happen. Okay. Um, and, and the reality is that's business. Um, yeah. You know, you, you, not everything is always going to be champagne and skittles. So... Mm we just got to the point where I think something had to break. Probably somebody had to go. Um, and when it came to it, they were quite keen to offer me a settlement. I was quite keen to take it. Um, we shook hands and, and I was the one that, that, that exited the business. Um, so I found myself in a position literally where at the time, my wife, Frankie was get this right. Seven months pregnant, I think. Um, I, <laughs> I didn't have a job, um, <laughs> but I, do you know what? I, I came out with some cash, so it was okay. And yeah. I've always, <clears throat> I've never not had a job. So I was fairly confident that I was going to walk into something pretty, pretty quickly. Um, and as it happened, I, I did, I didn't feel ready to start my own business straight away. Okay. Um, and there was, there was some small, small issues around restricted covenants and things like that. So I couldn't, I didn't feel comfortable just going straight yeah, in. And setting up a, com a competitive, a competitor business. Absolutely. <clears throat> I mean, we were in different geographical markets, so it's, it was not a major issue, but I, you know, I, I just wasn't, I think I was a bit bruised probably as okay. well. Um, so I got a job with a local company. I say local, uh, the other side of Warminster. Um, and I started that fairly, fairly quickly because I think Erin was born in the April and I'd already started with them. So, um, so I knew, you know, I'd, I'd walked into it you know, pretty much straight away. Um, but I kind of got to the summer and my feet were starting to itch a little bit. And I was starting to feel very much like, mm, I wouldn't necessarily do things this way. Or if it was my business... Mm. Of course, you, you don't want to be the guy that does that, so you don't vocalise it. But you start you start looking and thinking, yes, yeah, this this isn't how I would run things if it was my business. 
And then it, it also got to the point where the guy who was employing me became a little bit liberal in terms of when the monthly pay was arriving in our bank accounts. Okay. So, um, so it just became the perfect storm that at the end of that year, I handed the notice in. Um, Frankie was due to go back to work in, in the January and, and start again uh, after maternity. Um, and I just thought, well, now it's now or never. So hence I started, started Meridian then, um, and that would have been January 2015. So that's, mm. that's now taken us to where we are today. And that's, it's really interesting, isn't it, that, that when you talk about things that quite often as things change and evolve, what kind of gets you to where you are? And it's not necessarily how you plan it or how you kind of start off thinking it might go, but actually just recognising how you're feeling about the job you're in and what some of those opportunities might be and grabbing them is, is quite an interesting. Yeah, and I, I, I guess because I'd, because I'd been either self-employed, um, because even when I was self-employed working through that other company before we, we set up Go in, in 2010, yes, there was a kind of what you would traditionally call master-slave relationship in terms of you had to follow the company that you're working through, their compliance procedures, et cetera, et cetera. You weren't an employee and therefore you very much had yeah. to run your own practice within the bigger environment. Yeah. And then obviously having go and being part of that for, for over four years, very used to running my own business, diary, clients. Yeah. And I, I say about them, them being liberal with, with, with when they paid, but I can't knock the, 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 the guy that I worked for um, in terms of him being a bad boss in many ways, you know, he, he kind of let you get on with things, but it's that, it's that control piece of, of I'm not used to doing things this way. And I've, I've had a lot of time now of doing things the way I want to do them and then yeah. being back in that environment. Um, so it was, yeah, it was, it was just one of those. I mean, it, it worked out quite well for me at the time because I, as I say, I, I could have a paycheck rather than having to, 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 to worry too much about stuff. Um, but the first chance I got, yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting, those first kind of environments, isn't it? Because you often think even though you're employed, you're self-employed, and I guess there are lots of industries like that, aren't there, where people, you carry the individual risk because you're self-employed, but within somebody else's control in that kind of structure of a business, which... Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's it's... I mean, you, you, you generally, in terms of, of things like professional indemnity, that, that, that all gets covered for you. Um, but in terms of the pure and the regulatory risk, obviously, they, they mitigate that by okay. uh, giving you the processes. But in terms of the actual, the risk of, of you know, are you going to earn money? It's, it's, it's down to you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, ultimately, that's the key thing. Can, can you earn enough money to, to, to feed your family? Yeah particularly when you've got young baby coming along the way. I know. I, yeah. Do you know what, though? It, it, in, in that sense as well, it couldn't have been at a more perfect time because it was going... If I hadn't have done it then, I don't think I probably would have ever done it again. Um, yeah. I think I would, have, I would have stayed working for somebody. I might have gone off and worked somewhere else for somebody else. It, it was... It, I, I, I used the phrase before, but it was almost the perfect storm. That yeah. The, 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 the pay was, was, was not forthcoming on time every time um and having that twitch and and the itchy feet about wanting to go off and, and try it yeah. again and and yeah i mean it was and of course it's hard going for the first 
first year or two um, because I started with no clients. Um, but, you know, you get through it and you work yeah. hard and you shake hands, you meet people, you have conversations, you do a yeah. lot of networking, as, as, as you and I know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, six years later, we've got a, we've got a good business. Okay, so the other bit that I mentioned at the beginning is the town councillor role. So you've got a really young family, a new business, and you also find time to do this. So what what drove you to want to do that? How did you how did you get into that position? Because I think when I first met you, you were you were first standing for election. I think. Yeah. Um, so again. It- wasn't anything that I ever woke up and thought, oh, I'd love to be a town councillor. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd been quite involved with networking and the business community within the town um, because of my involvement with the Chamber of Commerce and, 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 and other bits and pieces. And by doing so, we, the, the, the council and the chamber have always worked quite well in terms of the events that they put on together such as events like Discuss and Do and, and what was the business breakfast that they would hold on a monthly basis. So my, my exposure to town councillors actually started to increase because you know, the, 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 the council officers and, and councillors themselves take a lot of interest in, in, in some of those business areas or economic uh, development, as we call them. Um, so I'd started to get to know people like uh, Peter Wilhouse, who's the um, economic development manager and deputy town clerk at the council, uh, and Vivian Whitaker, who, who's the project manager for business. So I'd, 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 I'd got to know them a little bit. And also I'd met some of the councillors, um, like a gentleman, Peter McFabian. Um, and I'd spoken to Peter and he, he, he'd said to me, you know, have, have you considered sort of standing when the elections come round again, and I thought about it, and I thought, well, probably a really interesting thing to do. Um, but what's the time commitment? Um, what's involved? You know, I, am I the right person to to be looking to do this? Um, Peter convinced me that I had some skills that would probably be of use and maybe transferable. Um, and in the end, you know, the the, the as you know, we, we all stand as independent councillors mm. via the, 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 the minor political party or, or group that we have, Independence for Free. Um, and Peter um, and some of the other councillors who were standing down, who were forming a selection panel, they invited a number of us to attend. I think there were about 21, 22 who, who went to stand for, or to be considered for selection for the 17 councillor um uh opportunity uh slate as we call it and yeah i was luckily enough i was one of the 17 that was selected mm. so um and then yeah we went through the election and two- what was that like what was that what's it like standing for election and people kind of coming out to vote whether they'll have you or not what does that feel like it it was quite a weird it was quite a weird one really um because obviously with independence for free, we'd or, or, or if councillors, as we call them, had previously won eleven seats in two thousand and ten, and then in two thousand and fourteen had, had won all seventeen. So in a way, we were 
we were standing on the shoulders of giants and um you know there was a big there was a big feeling of responsibility around yeah, we were really worried about were we going to lose any of the 17 seats um because we've got we've you know we've got an outright um uh unanimous position yeah, so there was a lot of pressure on that. Are we getting our campaign message correct? Yeah. Are we are we are we putting in enough hours? Are we out seeing people, shaking enough hands? Are we doing enough? Are we putting the right number of uh, flyers and, and leaflets through doors? And then, of course, it got to the the election, and I and I think some of us were worried we weren't we were going to hemorrhage some of the seats, and we were worried that we weren't going to carry all seventeen. Um, but then, of course, the election came round and. Not only did we carry the 17, um, we increased the majority. I think that the, from memory, the um, the turnout, the turnout was was fairly good at around 40, 44 something like percent, which was you know is yeah hot yeah that is for yeah for local elections because there was no um, there there wasn't a general election at that point, so it was it, yeah. was, it was purely for um, parish and district. So, but no, it was, and it was great. And we went to the count and that was a unique experience. Um, just watching them counting and, and, and then announcing and yeah, it was, no, it was good. And it was, it, it made you humble because you realize that people would put a tick in, in, in the box next to you. Yeah. And in many ways they don't know who you are. Um, but you know, they, they, they were electing if. They were electing independents for free. Yeah. And we happened to be the seventeen who who, yeah. who were chosen to to carry that carry that mantle. It's interesting because one of the things that I've I was quite interested in, in talking about is about the different challenges of both. But actually one of the things that comes to mind is about the transferable skills. And it's, you know, the the level of when you talk about trust and the level of trust that people have in you in the work that you do. So people come to you and trust you to give them the right advice that will help them to do the best with their money. And actually you're then standing for the council and Froome's a really passionate town about the town, isn't it? I think it's quite a unique place. And I mean, and neither of us are from Froome. So I think we kind of can tell that, that, that sort of uniqueness and um, that there's something different about, about Froome, but that sort of, you know, trust that people would have in you. There are some similarities there in terms of how you have to build that trust with people for something that's actually in both cases, not always tangible. You're not selling a a product of actually, you can have it now, Jane, you're selling a future, aren't you? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it is very, I I, I guess I've never really looked at it that way, but yeah, you're absolutely right. You're, you're, you're selling a, you're selling a vision, you're selling a strategy, um, and a concept for the future. Um, and so I guess in that way, they, 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 they are very, very similar. Mm. Um, and for me, I mean, you, you, you touched on the point there about not being from free. Um, I mean, I've been here now, what are we, uh, coming up 13 years, Mm. um, and it was just, you know, for me, standing was, was, was massively important when I took the decision that I was going to. And, I've, you know, I think back as, as to why I stood, and I have done on many occasions, and, and it's, going to sound really, it's going to sound really cheesy, I think. But for me, the ultimate reason was, was putting something back. Yeah. And I know it's the, I know it's the stock answer that, that everyone always comes out with, but 
in all reality, you know, Froome, Froome is different and it has been really, really good yeah. to me. I, when, you know, when I had, when I was part of, of the previous business go, I was living in Froome and obviously tra- traveling to Bristol and then on to Tewkesbury mm. where we were based. So I'd never really worked in the town, but when I decided to set up Meridian in, in 2015, as I said, I had no clients. I had no, um, I had no real connection into the business community because I'd never worked here. I'd always traveled away. And my, my clients were in London, Macclesfield, you know, Scotland. They were all over the place. Yeah. I didn't have any clients here in the town. Um, so for me, the town and the business community and, and, and the council, as I said, were, with, with the events that were hosting um, and enabled me to then find my way into the local community. Yeah. Was 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 invaluable, yeah. and 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 I'm not convinced. I mean, I'm from I'm from just out of Taunton originally, um, and it was interesting because obviously you had Helen on previously, Helen Lacey. Yeah, um, I haven't spoken to Helen for a long time. I bumped into her a few times through our course of, of networking, but I would love to one day have a chat with her about how she how she found her networking in Bridgewater and Taunton because. Yeah. I'd always find it really, really difficult and, 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 and hard to get involved in yeah. those areas. So I take my hat off to her. And and, 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 and Helen is massively active in, in that. And maybe we need to, I think probably maybe at the end of the year, we'll have a, we'll have a reunion of podcast interviewees. There's a plan. <laughs> a round table that'd be good a round table it's um i think when you say though this is a cheesy answer and everyone says it i don't think that's true i think there are a lot of people that go through life and their business life and they do their job they take what they can i don't mean that necessarily in a bad way but they don't all i don't think there are that many people who think about what they're going to to give back. So I think that's a really, that it's a real credit. And I think, you know, don't see it as cheesy because I think it's a, it's, it's an, it's an important thing. And, and I, and I would agree with you. I think the, like you, my, you know, I've worked out, I've lived here for 20 years, but I've, I haven't worked here apart from for the last few years. And so I, all my clients all of my kind of work experience was away from Froome and when I decided actually I wanted to start building that client base around here I've had nothing but support from you know I mentioned what you did for me at the beginning and you know that there are so many examples of people going yeah I'll help you and join this go to this and actually there is that openness that I think is is really important but you've taken that step to actually give something back to the community and um fair play to you Oh, thank you very much. Um, yeah, and, I mean, don't get me wrong. It, it takes some time. It does take some time out of the mm. diary. Um, you know, we had a meeting this morning um, where, where, where the, the, the officers and councillors will meet on a Tuesday morning just for um, sort of half an hour, 45 minutes. Just so it's more so for the officers, really, for them to have a chat about what they're doing and what they've got going on. Yeah. Um, and councillors will come in and just either listen in or just say, well, I've I've been up to this or, or that. Um, and then obviously we've got the official meetings that we have, um, council, uh, full council meetings, and then t- our town matters committee and then our council matters committee and planning advisory. Yeah, it's a big... committee. So there's, 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 there, there is yeah. a lot 
a lot that can go into it. And of course, we also then have the party stuff, what yeah. I would call the party stuff, which is our if meetings, which are once a, a month. But, you know, it's time management, it's time management. And I've always used the cliche, you know, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And, and I think, um, and we, you know, we mentioned, I mentioned trust as a, one of the sort of transferable skills and maybe that kind of ability to manage your time. And as you say, you know, busy people tend to fit an awful lot in and they're the ones you go to. So you've got kind of already two of those sort of transferable skills. When you think about kind of running your business and the sort of leadership behaviours for that and what you're doing in the council, what what are some of the similarities and what are some of the, the sort of differences? So as an, as an avid listener to your podcast... Um, you had to be. <laughs> I, I, I believe... You have to forgive me, the, the, I think the second guest you had on um, right at the beginning... Kevin Green. Ke- was it Kevin? I think he might have spoken about the differences between managed, management yes, he did. and leadership. Yes, he did. Yeah. And I think that is one of the, 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 the prime kind of similarities between running your own business and, and, and the work you do as a counsellor. Because um, ultimately, as a counsellor, you know, you don't really do anything. Um, you know, you can, you can be there to help and support in, in terms of actually delivering the work plan, which yeah. is what, 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 what the, 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 the officers do throughout the year. But ultimately, it's the officers who deliver it. Um, so in terms of being a counsellor, you're there really to set a vision, set a strategy, to agree that strategy with the officers who, who are effectively a civil servant. Mm. Um, and therefore, they then, they then take that strategy, they build a work plan um, for the year that involves you know, continuing projects that, that have been done the previous year, but instigating new projects, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and we're, you know, massively lucky at, at, at FTC because the, the the officers are they're fantastic and they're not what you would you would think of when you, you refer to the term civil servant. You know, they're yeah. they're very dynamic group of individuals um, and very good at delivering, but but understanding that things change throughout the year as well. Yeah. So so we've got a fantastic <laughs> comms team as well um, because. Almost everything that you do is driven through your comms, yeah. um, and therefore it's got to be seen as one of the most important uh, sort of functions of, of the council is, is the communication of everything that you're doing yeah. or you're hoping to. Because at parish level, um, fundamentally, the only thing that you are legally responsible to provide are uh, one annual council meeting and the provision of allotments. Other than that, you oh, have no other. You've okay. got no other legal <laughs> legal responsibility to provide anything. Now, of course, we. I mean, we do a hell of a lot more, as, yeah. as, as I'm sure you're aware. Um, so everything that we do do is is driven through the comms. Um, but I think at parish level, what FTC has been very, very good at traditionally and continues to be is acting as facilitators for local people to achieve things that they want to yeah. so picking picking an example out if somebody came and said um we'd like um we'd like the council to run a new business group obviously depending on the the, the project area 
the project officer in that area is likely to say, well, that's great, but why don't you let us help you to create this business group yeah. so that we can help, you know, so that you can take the ownership yeah. of it and, and we can, but we can help deliver it. We can, we can help you put things in place. We can promote it. We can do all these sorts of things around it, but ultimately let's engage you. Absolutely. To help the community. Yeah. So enabling, uh, enabling that growth. Exactly. Exactly. And I think, and, and, and sort of then going back to, to, to the business, I think that's, that's kind of, to me, what running a business is. It's, it's, it's having a vision, it's having a strategy, it's understanding yeah. the difference between strategic and tactical um, and therefore the difference between leadership and management. Mm. Um, yeah. And I'll be open, completely honest with you, I'm, I'm not a very good manager um, and I never have been <laughs> um, because I, I, don't, I don't like getting involved in the day-to-day stuff of, of yeah. managing people and telling people what to do. Um, so I would say I'm probably a better leader than I am a manager. Yeah, but yeah, but it's interesting because quite often, and I think one of the things that one of the things that I'm quite passionate about, and we talked about before in terms of what you kind of what what our experience in corporate worlds can be translated is that you know so often in leadership and in management circles, you know, big corporates there's a lot of development, there's a lot of stuff available, and you know what you're describing. So one of the things that I often um, will work through with leaders in big corporates is about styles of leadership. And actually, what, it's quite unusual to see what, what um, Froomtown Council is doing in terms of that being in that very much coaching mindset with people to say, okay, you know, actually, we're not going to, we're not going to do it for you. Um, and we're not going to just give you a whole load of leaflets and tell you to get on with it. But we're actually going to coach you through. And we're going to enable you to do it yourself and that's you know that's brilliant and I think it's one of the things that you know we've often talked about and we both belong to we'll give a little plug so we both belong to a local networking group called Bright uh, which we're relaunching in um, July so people 8th will, of July 8th, 8th of July, of July, 8th of July <laughs> so people will see that but I think it, you know a lot of it is about you know how do we enable businesses to to be able to flourish you know to as and you know we've all lived through some pretty tough last I'm going to say year it's 18 months now isn't it nearly and I think you know though that's that network of support for people to say crikey just how is it going what are you doing what can you do where's that support is really really important so when you think about you know your I'm going to ask you a really unfair question because I'm always fascinated by the answer even though I find this really hard to answer myself is there a person either a sort of individual or somebody in business, they don't have to be in business, that really inspires you? Is there sort of one person that you think, actually, you take a lot from what they do, what they stand for? Not really a specific individual. Um, I think there's there's examples of any number of, of leaders that I try and pick things out from. Um, I mean... Branson's always an easy one to look at, but I just love one of the things that I love about Branson was the diversity and the hmm. thing and the fact that he he wasn't willing to just stay in one lane. Um, yeah, and some people will say you should really focus on your on your core area. Yeah, but I just thought it was what's so your clever. niche? What's your niche? <laughs> yeah, but I, I just thought it was so clever how he by diversifying 
he was never going to run the risk, but, but, but being, making sure he, he, he worked with the right people in different areas yeah. just meant that he was never, never had all his eggs in one basket. Mm. Um, and obviously when, when the record store and that market changed and downloads took over and people weren't buying CDs anymore, um, you know, he wasn't just lumbered with a number of record shops that he had to close down. You know, he'd yeah. already gone into to, to his different areas. And I think I think that's yeah, that's always been a key thing for me. Um, hence why I've always been quite keen to 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 set up the new business that we have. Yeah. It's quite funny with Branson actually, because I don't know whether you know, but he at one point he had a um, bridal um and my wedding dress came from Virgin Brides. Which I, was actually he did you know that he had that? That was like and I, I, I think it's. I don't know. If, I think it's gone now. But I, to be honest, I, I knew or I known that he'd he'd gone into that type of market, but I didn't. I didn't realise that they'd actually got as far. Yeah, they sold dresses and they sold. They did everything like that full package of, you know, hire your chairs. They made cakes, you know, and it was that real kind of virgin experience because it was, you know, it was like going into a Virgin airline first class lounge. It was like. <laughs> So yeah, it's an isn't it interesting that kind of like yeah, like that diversification and getting involved in loads of stuff and being willing to pick yourself up when it goes not quite in the direction you thought and go, I'll try something else. No, absolutely. And as I say, that's that for me, spreading your risk a little bit. And I, I guess that, that just because being a financial advisor, I guess yeah. they were taught to, to spread risk as much as yeah. possible. Um but for, yeah, that 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 would be a prime example. And what about, so when we go back to kind of right at the beginning, when you were telling your story and talking about, um, you know, the, the, the shift in business and, you know, you've now got two young children, um, a border terrier. Everyone <laughs> has to know you have a border terrier. Um, so you've got a business, you've got a young family and you are a counsellor as well. How do you balance all of that and manage your own well-being as well within that to stay because you're you're so positive and you know and you do so much stuff how do you balance all of that so first of all big shout out to my wife she's she's pretty understanding um yeah although she does roll her eyes occasionally so <laughs> i've got another meeting um yeah. no she's she's good as gold for me i i'm quite i'm quite disciplined about the fact that weekends are just clear weekends are for the family okay. yeah. i don't from about 6.30 on a Friday, um, sometimes a bit earlier, but, but, but no later than that until Monday morning, unless something really, you know, really hits the fan from a council perspective. Um, I just don't, I don't get involved yeah. in, in, in talking to clients or answering emails. That say, if I get a client email through, I'll just say, okay, no worries. It's not an emergency. I'll pick it up on Monday. Yeah. Um, but I just don't get involved in doing anything, anything work-wise at, at weekends. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, I probably between work and council and both businesses, I, I probably put in 55 to 60 hours a week yeah. during the week. So that's, that's how I do it. And I, I just, it's easier because obviously the kids being slightly younger means that, you know, I can put them to bed during the week and we take it in turns during the week but I can put, if it's my turn I can put them to bed and I can come back down and then I can crack back on 
Yeah. Um, and sometimes I'll you know, work work last week. I worked from night until about midnight, just going through what I needed to do. And but then when it gets to the weekend, I know I can I can I don't feel guilty then about fully shutting off. Yeah. Um, and I used to work bank holiday Mondays as well. Um, and then I got to the point of thinking, why am I doing that? I, you know, it's just yeah. that became habitual, and I thought, no, yeah. it's only there's only eight of them a year. So yeah, I really think I need to work those anymore. Yeah. Um, but apart from that, yeah, it's it's just it's just knowing that it's knowing when to to turn off. Really, I, I think that's really important, and and I think one of the risks when you're self-employed, particularly, or and actually there are jobs I think where you have jobs which are not, you know, some jobs you can turn them off, shut the door, walk out, and actually there's nothing for you to do until you go back in. But I think, you know, and a partic- but particularly when you're self-employed, there's always work to do. You know, there's so much work to do running the business as well as kind of all of the client work that it can just stretch. And particularly when your office is not far away and now we can all work from home, it's so it's so easy just to always be slightly switched on Um and not be able to kind of move from one to the other. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I think you, you, you touched on a really important point there as well. Um, as a business owner, you've got, to, you've got to dedicate a certain amount of time actually to the business yeah. rather than just the day job. And I think, yeah. I think well, you know, you, you know this more so than probably anyone as a coach, but too many, too many business owners, leaders – they get so entrenched in the day job and the day to day that they don't put enough work into the, the vision of what they're trying to achieve mm. or, you know, they don't have a, they don't have a strategy that goes probably more beyond the end of the month. Yeah. For me, you know, I, 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 we've discussed before, but there's, there's a short, a medium and a long-term plan. Yeah. Obviously you get, you get three yeah. months down the road and the plan looks different, but ultimately yeah. there's got to be something there. Otherwise, yes. Yeah. Otherwise, you're on the 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 hamster wheel forever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you've got to step off of it and 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 think about where you're going and, and where you want to be at a certain point. Yeah, I think that's really important because I think that's the only way, isn't it, that you can then work out what your daily priorities are and be able to switch off because if you don't understand kind of what they're building up to, I mean, my biggest Achilles heel is actually I really hate maths and anyone who knows me that's listening to this knows how much I hate maths so anything to do with cash flow finances that that kind of stuff you know I have to be so disciplined but as you say it is about kind of compartmentalizing stuff and going actually I have to work on this because otherwise you end up in trouble or you because actually you're not planning for anything going forward so I think having that vision it's like well actually okay if you have that vision and then I'm able to break it down and go okay well how am I going to get there um down to the nitty-gritty of well actually how much do I have to earn because otherwise it just becomes a kind of you working and some of the work you know you and I both I think love what we do so it's easy to work a lot and it's interesting, isn't it? You can read stuff. You can kind of be constantly working on stuff, but you need to take that pause and go, okay, why am I doing it? Because actually it's the business has to run as a business. business. Or for me, the fat man will be banging my head against the wall. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you're absolutely right. And, and you, you can get to the point where you, you lose sight of why you're actually doing it. And I think yeah. that's, 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 yeah. that's a, a, tr- a position that, so many business owners fall into, I think, that yeah. 
it becomes it becomes like that hamster wheel where you 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 you're just you're on it yeah. you're on it you're on it you can see more income and you're thinking income 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 then you forget that actually there's got to come a time when you either need to slow down and let somebody else yeah. take over some of that work from you or you or you need to get out and you need to exit yeah there's no, there's no and there's no there's no way that you can plan an exit and think yeah i've got I'll start worrying about that next year because I might want to exit you know, in, in, in two years' time. You, you, need to be, you need to be thinking about your big business exit five, six years yeah. before you actually do it because so many things can change during that period. You need to have a plan which is adaptable through all the possibilities. Yeah, um, yeah. What advice would you give to somebody thinking about starting their own business today? Wow. Um, I think it's probably a really, it's a really good time. I think it's a great, I think there's a lot of opportunity out there. Um, And I think the pandemic has created as much opportunity as it has challenge, depending on the area Mm. that that, that you're working in um, or what what vision you have for what your business is going to be. I think ultimately get the right advice, speak to the right people, even if you're just self-employed and you're not a limited company and therefore don't necessarily have the legal requirement to do the same level of accounting, get an accountant because yeah. it's nuts to try and to try and do it all yourself. So make sure that you 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 speak to the right people. Do what you can in-house, but only from a position of being able to know how things work. Yeah. So for example, you know, I I know enough about IT that I could do a lot of the stuff in our business ourselves. Yeah. But we outsource it to uh, another local food business because A, they're better at it, and B, mm. it would take me longer to do stuff if I wasn't using it. Absolutely. So yeah. try and learn as much about the business itself as you can, but don't be afraid to outsource yeah. and use professionals as much as you possibly can where it is cost effective to do so. Yeah. Um, do as much networking as you can. There's no better advertising or marketing for your business than actually standing in front of people and telling them what you do. Yeah. I've been lucky enough that I've never really had to do any print marketing or yeah. um, traditional marketing. Everything has been driven through either the web or through networking, yeah. um, through uh, things like Bright, through Chamber of Commerce, et cetera, et cetera. And you can't, you can't get any better um, referrals than, 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 than a personal referral no. from somebody that you've spoken to and, 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 and who believes that you're, you're, you know, you, you're good at what you do. So yeah. they, those would be the very, very simple things. And, 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 plan, and plan properly. Um, if you're looking at starting a business – unless you're in an immediate need to do it today because you may have been made redundant or you may have walked out of a job or et cetera, et cetera, spend a good six months to a year planning what you're going to do. Write a yeah. business plan. You know, it sounds a bit old-fashioned, but do a SWOT analysis. Think about what opportunities are out there. Think about who the threats are. Think about what you're strong at, what you're weak at, what the business would be strong at, what the business would be weak at. Go through the stages that you would go through before then 
jumping off and, and jumping straight into it. Yeah. And that's where the help is really important, isn't it? I think Helen talked, you mentioned Helen earlier, and I think Helen Lacey talked about that a lot, about how she, in her experience and her journey, how she wished she'd asked earlier for that kind of specialist advice and support. So, you know, if you're not great at doing that planning, then find someone who is and who's kind of got that experience and can really help you to set up for success. And and there are experts out there who will will write a business plan for you if you if you go and meet with them and and, and talk yeah. to them. Yeah. And tell them your story and what you want that story to be. Um there, there are people who do anything you know I, I know guys who who do bid writing for um companies or, or for professionals yeah. who yeah, yeah, yeah. are very good at delivering what they deliver but don't know how to write no. a bid to actually get onto a preferred supplier list yeah so that yeah. you know there's 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 so many different avenues you can look at and there's there's always somebody to do something for you so yeah but yeah i guess really when it came comes back to it, i've talked to talked around the elbow to get to the wrist but i think planning <laughs> is is fundamentally the, the, the most important the most important part and, and, and yeah and yeah, don't jump in straight away. Have a think about it. Yeah. And one last question. So in terms of getting involved in, I'm going to call it kind of community leadership. So that um, the council being one example, would you advise people to have a go and jump in and get involved? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's different. It's different at the tier of government that we sit at. So we sit at the parish level. It's the lowest level of, of, of local government. As I said earlier, it's it's legally it's one meeting a year in allotments. You know, clearly, we do a lot more than that. But at our level, yes, you are responsible, and it is a it is very much a position of responsibility. But it, it it can be quite fun, yeah, because it's doing it's getting involved in the nice stuff. Um, yeah, you know, trying to look after and make open spaces in the town nicer. Um, yeah, working with community development. So we've got a, a project area within the. the the council, all related to community development, which is headed up by a wonderful project officer called Kate Hellard. And what she does is, is she works with local communities, like areas like Trinity um, within the town, where um, there may not be, or there historically hadn't felt like there was a lot of community um, spirit yeah. in that area, or, you know, that was an area where there was a lot of um, fires being started. And her and her team went in and... and, and Basically, they, 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 even small, what would on the face of it feel like small stuff, like just sh- showing them how to have street parties and things like that um, for different, uh, different celebrations. And, and, and working with people to develop community network groups and stuff uh-huh. like that, which then, you know, surprise, surprise, when the pandemic hit, those community networks. Yeah, lifelines. Really, absolutely. Really, um, yeah. Absolutely. So it's 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 the nice stuff that we do. So absolutely, if 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 people want to jump in and get involved at parish level, yeah. absolutely. And I think, to be honest, we've got two years two years left, and you know, there's going to be there's going to be Another people set of for, for if candidates. Yeah, so. I, I think, and I think you know, you you're really humble about it, but I think it's it's easy to say that actually parish council is the kind of lowest level of government in many ways. It's the most important because it's the bit that actually is the closest to people. So in the in the sort of uh, big corporate change stuff that I do, we talk about people like me. We talk about peer to peer change, and actually, people copy other people. So you create that 
behavior shift at grassroots level and people copy. They don't copy big politicians in kind of Westminster. So actually, in so many ways, what you're creating, that's the kind of crux of what it's like to live somewhere, isn't it? It's what... You know, we, I guess we, you know, we joked and kind of smiled slightly at the, you know, it's about one meeting and an allotment. They're lifelines, aren't they? Those are kind of places where community is created. And if, I guess if the pandemic has taught us anything, it's about how important that is. It's, you know, it doesn't matter what's going on in central London when we're kind of, you know, where we're at. Um, but it's, you know, it's about what happens day to day. So it's a lovely, I think it's it's a lovely summary, actually, Andy, of what of what can be given back. So I really hope that you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Andy as much as I did having that conversation. The key takeaways for me today are that career and business decisions are all part of the journey. And Andy's honesty about the ups and downs of his own journey really highlighted that for me today and showed that the shift of direction and choices that we end up making can really create opportunities. Another thing that came through for me was that you can transfer all sorts of skills between roles. Leading in a business context and in a community role draw on so many of the same behaviours, whatever titles we choose to give to them. I would also like to reinforce and acknowledge that when Andy said that taking on a community role and giving something back was something that anyone would do, that certainly laid a challenge at my own feet because I really don't think it's something that we all do or that everybody does. But I do think that it is something that we could all do. I think that what the conversation today really highlighted for me that was that when we're living and working as part of a community, getting involved in that community, whether that's through business network groups that support other businesses, through community leadership roles like the ones that we talked about today, through charitable work, or just being aware and getting involved on what's going on in your own community can really make a massive difference to other people and to how that community thrives. I'd really love to hear in the comments uh, some of your own experiences, so where you've been able to transfer skills from your workplace and business roles into the community and what your thoughts are following the conversation today. So thank you again to Andy and thank you all for listening. If you'd like to hear more conversations about leadership behaviours and culture, then please subscribe to the podcast in whichever way you normally listen. Thank you.